morning, everybody. This is Jeff Edwards. This is the uh, KGOS KERM Lawn and Garden Show. And today in the studio with us, we have Gary Stone. Hi, Gary. Hi, Jeff. And Jerry Urshabek. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Jeff. Glad to be here. How are the two of you today? Just peachy keen. You bet. <laughs> Same Ex here. Excellent. Well, we'll uh, let our sponsors run a few ads in a, in a moment. But... Um, uh, let's see. So I have to wait till that ends running, right? 70%? Okay. Welcome to the Lawn and Garden Podcast with UW Extension Specialist Jeff Edwards. Presented by UW Extension and originally aired on KGOS and KERM in Torrington, Wyoming. Let's go to Jeff. All right. We are back and welcome to the uh, KGOS KERM Lawn and Garden Show. Uh, we are here from the University of Wyoming and uh, University of Nebraska Panhandle Station today. Did I forget to mention that I'm Jeff Edwards? Did I say that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you did, Jeff. Did I? Okay. All right. Um, sorry if I'm being redundant already. That's first time this year. Yeah, I know. So um, uh, we, over the course of the year, I have decided that we need to rename our uh, program the uh, Horticultural Hour of Wonder, since everybody wonders what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> That's pretty I've got, good. I've got my cup of coffee here. Okay, all right, we're ready to go. Um, let's get the first thing off the list. Jerry asked me to mention the Great Pumpkin Kickoff, and Jerry, I would like you to go ahead and dive right in. Absolutely. Hey, we had our giant pumpkin kickoff uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we gave out free seed, and uh, we had a speaker that told us how to how to do everything about growing a giant pumpkin and the fertilization and all that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, there are still seeds to be had at the extension office, and they're free. And so uh, I think that we even have a um, detailed instructional booklet to give you on how to grow a giant pumpkin and be successful growing a pumpkin. I mean, you can't just throw them in the ground and let it go? You know, our fifth and sixth place winners did that. <laughs> Put them in the ground. They didn't even give them a kiss. And it made the rest of you feel really bad, and, didn't it? And he goes, yeah, I just threw it in the ground and gave a little water. And I go, yeah, well, thanks. Well, Myrna and I did the same thing, and ours were way down on well, the less list. than fifth and sixth oh yeah <laughs> but hers weighed more than mine so i had to do dishes for a week <laughs> if my pumpkin weighs more than yours you gotta wash dishes for a week well we grew two pumpkins and i said okay you can have your pick she says i picked this one over here because it was upside down and it looked like kind of a a heart oh nice uh, upside down the romantic ever the romantic ever the romantic and so she said i want that one and i said okay and i thought the other one looked heavier but she beat me by 44 pounds <laughs> and look at these hands <laughs> dishwater hands so anyway uh if you're at all interested by all means go out to the extension office get some seeds they uh they they're more than happy to give out that information as well as any other information you might want to have that they just have happen hand to have handy and um You'll, you'll find that the, the pumpkin way off is October 7th, I believe. And something like that. Something really close to that. And, you know, everybody's welcome to participate, and it's just a, just a load of fun. 
and when you start seeing that pumpkin grow you, you it's just a wonder how quickly that pumpkin puts on weight and so uh i i think that's the way to to end world world wars and world discussions to just have a giant pumpkin growing contest i i think so yeah yeah that works <laughs> it just promotes a lot of smiles <laughs>, laughs and giggles awesome well uh, throughout the course of the summer we will be spending time talking about the giant pumpkin contest. Well, thank you so much. That's Certainly. That would be great. No problem. Um, I just what I'd like to uh, mention, I think the uh, our spring weather this year is more along the lines of a typical pattern. At least it seems to be for me. Our, our The, the coolness, and, and Gary, you might disagree, but the, uh, the cooler wet weather that we've been having has kind of delayed some of the... Uh, not delayed. I, I'm going to say it's right on schedule. But um, in the past, you know, we've had weather in the 70s in February, and those plants want, have a tendency to want to get after it. And this year, they've they've behaved a little bit more appropriately. It seems to me. Is would you agree with that, Gary, or or disagree with no, me? No, no, I, I I'll go go along with that, Jeff. I think uh, the spring's been uh, slow to you know come on, and and that's been real good for the plants. Uh, we haven't had those warm days in February like we've had in the past, so the plants are coming on slowly. They're not uh, going from winter one day to summer the next, and then maybe get a hard freeze and cause problems. So overall, I think our plants are going to do much, much better this year uh, just with the way things are going. I, I might actually have blossoms on my lilacs this year. I've seen buds starting on the lilacs and as well the apple trees. So save your canning jars. Yes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> I'm hopeful because I got two trees that, yeah, I've been. I I had uh, nine apples last year. My nephew ate four of them <laughs> when they were about a fifty cent piece. Like, You're gonna get sick. I hope you get sick. But he he scarfed on them, and I'm like going quit. <laughs> if if your nephew didn't get them, the squirrels would have. That's Probably. true. Yeah. We, we, before the show today, we were having a discussion about varmints, and squirrels were on the top of Gary's list. <laughs> well, and on my brother's list as well. Oh, by the way, let me just digress. Okay. Happy birthday to my brother. Uh, today's the first day of Lawn and Garden and his birthday. So a shout-out to my brother. Okay. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. We're not going to sing. No, no. Heaven's uh, Okay. That's All right. Good. good. Yeah, that, <laughs> but that is he, a good thing. He, he dislikes squirrels as well because he had apricot trees. And he says, you know, they're really smelling really well. And I went out there and looked at them. He says, tomorrow, tomorrow, I'm going to go and pick them. Well, tomorrow <laughs> didn't happen because the squirrels got them. That's, that's been my uh, experience with apricots, is that the, the day before, you know, you've decided, okay, tomorrow I'm going to harvest these things. We either get a windstorm and knocks them all off. The birds come and get them, or somebody else takes them. <laughs> somebody else. <laughs> oh, and he doesn't like deer either because they, they bite the head of the tulip. Oh, and, and just yeah. Taste it. And go. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, yeah, deer. <laughs> should should we segue into the main topic today since we Let's. were? Since, uh, since you have mentioned tulips. tulips. About a couple weeks ago. How long ago was it? About a month ago, maybe. Yes. Yeah, I we, called you. We were uh, figuring out who was going to be our our first guests and what the topic should probably be. And and um, Jerry had a comment. He wanted to know what type of a bulb a dahlia had. 
No, a canna. I was a, wanting, a canna lily. I wanted to know if I could, how soon I could actually put my canna lily into the ground, because I said I thought it was a tuber, and and of course Jeff says no, the <laughs> that wasn't a tuber. It was something else. A corm. A, a corm. C O R M. What? The heck's <laughs> what the heck's a corm? So we uh, we decided that uh, maybe. We should talk about these different types of things. Absolutely. And so, Gary, <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot. So you're going to put me on the spot. So <laughs> Jeff said we're going to talk about bulbs, and I hit, huh? <laughs> so real quick, uh, did some research on bulbs, <clears throat> and there's a number of different types of bulbs. There are the true bulbs, uh, your daffodils, tulips, hyacinths. And onions, <laughs> right? And onions. Right? Yes. Okay. And then there are corms. Wait, are wait a minute before you move on from the bulbs. There's okay. two different types of bulbs. Okay, so one one is the tunic bulb, right? Mm-hmm. And the other one is what was the other one? Uh, the scaly bulbs. So the tunic bulb is like an onion. It has a skin on it. Mm-hmm. Think of that outer skin as the tunic, right? Yes. The covering. And then the other bulbs are the scaly bulbs. So is that uh, do you have an example of one of those? Uh, I'm looking real quick here. So, so it's a bulb with <laughs> without the skin on the outside. Um, are, are lilies in that category? On the tunic bulbs? No, not tunic. The other one. Uh, the scaly bulbs. I did really put you on the spot you today, did. didn't I? You did. <laughs> lilies. Lilies are of the other variety, yes. and that can you? Can you see the... Go ahead. Well, that would be like a tiger lily. Right. That would be a tiger lily. Right. So when you plant those bulbs, they don't have a skin on the outside of them. No, they don't. So that's that's the other type of bulb. And those mm-hmm. need to be about six inches deep. Uh, I think so, according to the literature. Five to six inches, yeah. 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 My mom used to grow those. We, we really like those. I really like lilies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the yellow lilies and the Easter lilies. and mm-hmm. I mean... When you when you start talking about lilies, there's a slug of them. Oh yeah, tiger lilies, the ones with spots, and they can be what three or four feet tall, or yeah, yeah. So uh, and and, I don't and know if day lilies are in that same group then. Maybe that I do not know. Maybe, but they're just a little different than the regular lilies, I think. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So uh, tulips are also have the tunic; they have the skin on them, right? Yes. Okay, um, and so that is a true bulb. Yes. All, or all of those examples are true bulbs. Yes, sir. Okay, so then go ahead, Gary, and go to the next category. Okay, then the next category is corms. Those would be your crocus and gladiolus. Uh, and that's spelled C-O-R-M. Yes. A corm. A corm. Okay. And... Uh, these are uh, basically a, a, a stem type bulb, if you want to call it, where all the uh, plant proteins and everything have been stored to grow another plant the next year. Are glads in that category? Yes, they are. Okay, so gladiola. Um, Crocus. So I'm trying to think of the what the corm looks like for a glad. To me, it's... 
it it's, has a little skin on it. So yeah, it, and it's it's kind of flat. It's round, but it's uh, flattened from top to bottom, right? More or less, yes. Kind of like a Hershey Kiss mm-hmm. without uh, without the, the real been, sharp tip. That's right. been smooshed in a little on the yeah. top. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, those cookies, those peanut butter cookies that you put the kiss on the top. And smush just a little and bit. And smush. That's yeah. what a corm looks like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So hopefully everybody's got that visualization, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, just look on the package, and it says gladolias. <laughs> when we can relate it to food, then hems people a, understand. Hems corm. <laughs> so the corm is a modified stem, correct? Yes. Okay. And then another modified stem would be a stolen? Yes. Sort of? But, it, but, but, but they're not in the list of bulbs. Oh, they're somewhere in there. Rhizomes might be what you're thinking. Maybe about. I'm thinking of a rhizome. Sarah, so is there a modified stem as well? And there's underground rhizomes, and there are above-ground rhizomes. Mm-hmm. So the best, the best example that we see would be when strawberries are producing daughter plants. That, mm-hmm. that thing that comes off of it to produce the next plant, that would be a rhizome. About a, a, a surface rhizome. A mm-hmm. surface, above yeah. ground. Mm-hmm. Yep. And an, an iris would be a, a underground rhizome because, and they all, even the gladiolas will make babies, mm-hmm. and even the iris will make babies. Yes. Yes. So rhizomes are modified stems. And actually, I've got a weed that I'm dealing with in my yard that... <laughs> which, which is? <laughs> I don't know what it is. I'm oh. having a hard time identifying <laughs> it, but it... But it comes from a rhizome, and uh, uh, it's in a bunch of soil that I brought from another location for my massive landscaping project. And uh, it's interesting because if I can lay that thing out, uh, if I can find it and lay it out on the soil surface, it'll dry up and die. But if it's in the soil, it grows. So I'm going to have a little bit of a problem to clean up. <laughs> <laughs> most most of the time when... when uh whoever is doing a, a road reconstruction they'll b- bring in more soil and they'll carry in bindweed right it's and not bindweed I, kn- I know that it's something else yeah it's in the same family but it's not bindweed we hate bindweed as well <laughs> bindweed's not just, good just like you hate this thing <laughs> <laughs> fortunately bind, fortunately um, a little herbicide works really well on this stuff um, bindweed's a little more difficult yeah. to control We'll have to talk about that another day as well. Yeah, we should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, next on the list, Gary. Uh, tubers. Tubers. Dahlias and begonias. And edible. What would be an edible tuber? Potato. Yeah. Yeah. And so the difference with tubers is that they have eyes on them, right? The, mm-hmm. the plants that grow, grow out of the buds that are on the tuber. Correct. Okay. So little bit different there. Sweet potatoes are considered tubers as well, I believe. Um, so name the fl- name the flowers again, Gary. Dahlias and begonias. Do dahlias and begonias survive the winter? You have to store them. You have yes. to dig them and store them. You have to dig them. Uh, so just like glad, you have to dig them up and dig them and mm-hmm. store them. Okay, Gary, do you have techniques on digging and storing them? Oh, uh, you know, you want to storm in a cool dry place uh not overly moist uh 
know, Jerry, chime in. You've, you're agreeing. <laughs> oh, man. You You've know, had an last, issue, apparently. The last couple of years, uh, well, we put a little, we, we have cannas and dahlias and begonias and gladiolias. And so the dahlias are the most moisture sensitive. The other guys seem to don't care. And so we get wood chips and we put a little water with them. And I, I mix it up in a wheelbarrow and then put them in a paper sack and then put them in a box and then put them in the well shed. So the dahlias need to be moist all winter long. Well, they all need a little moisture, but I'm putting too much moisture in the dahlias, and they're rotting. You're composting them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other topic, That's too. That's another topic. But, yeah, I'm doing a real good job of composting them because, you know, they should be firm like a nice, nice, good potato. They should be nice and firm like that. And not mushy and, and smelly. Mushy. Mushy's bad. Yeah. And so... Um, I have to refine my technique of storage. Okay. So dahlias are expensive. We, we've not had success with the dahlias, Diane and I. Uh-huh. Um, but in the past, we have overwintered glads. And uh, our technique is to use old pantyhose, shove them in the pantyhose, and tie a knot in it, and then just hang them someplace where it's not going to freeze. And they seem to do fine. Really? Yeah. Without any medium around them. Right. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Might have to try that, too. Because I've been doing the same thing with all of these guys. The the canna bulbs really seem to like that little bit of moisture. And, boy, they just come out. They're just ready to go. Hmm. Um, and I think the whole, the whole topic of these things came about because I wanted to put my canna bulbs in to the ground early in march so i can compete with another person that i know it's all about competition with you jerry <laughs> well pumpkins yeah well yeah and so pumpkins canna lilies yeah uh and you know if you grow some nice flowers or out of anything you can always take them to the fair and show them off sure of mm-hmm. course that would be a good thing to do with them okay So, we are going to take a break and listen to the ads from our sponsors, and we'll come back and talk about the other two or three varieties of bulb-type things that we have. Okay? Sounds good. We'll get back to Jeff and his guests in just a moment. You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Podcast, presented by UW Extension, extending the land-grant mission across the state of Wyoming with a wide variety of educational programs and services. Visit us at www.uwyo.edu slash uwe or search UW Extension at the main uwyo.edu page. There you can look up the location of your county office, browse our many programs, and access tons of UW Extension publications to help not only your gardening pursuits, but also economic information, rangeland management tips, and so much more. Check it out today. Now, back to the Lawn and Garden Podcast with Jeff Edwards. Okay, we are back. This is the KGOS KRM Lawn and Garden Show. Jeff Edwards, Jerry Urshabek, and Gary Stone with you today. And um, we have been talking about bulbs and corms and tubers. And we have a few more items we'd like to mention on this subject. So, gentlemen, where are we going? Rhizomes. Rhizomes. More on rhizomes. Which would be the irises again. Okay. Uh, 
we talked about you know what grows above surface and what grows below surface so these grow underneath the surface and propagate and spread that way so you need to dig them up though every once in a while yeah because the center the center will die off mm -hmm. and the new growth will be on the outside so if you get a a dead growth in the or a dead growth if you get dead a spot. dead spot in the middle of the iris bed dead growth too yeah uh, you gotta you gotta dig them up and and re uh, take them apart retransplant them and uh take the weeds away from them they don't like weeds uh, i planted a row of iris right underneath my bird feeder and that was like a mistake because all the sunflower seeds are going to propagate and come on up and uh so that bed has to be removed. Just changed. Changed. Just move your bird feeder. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> we have this optimum spot to see the birds, and they've been they've been talking about the spring. They've been they've been really nice to look at. Have they? Yeah. Excellent. We got this these little yellow guys coming, and so they're finches. A red, a yellow finch, and then a red headed and red breasted finch, and then the flickers with the little breastplate yeah. right there. And then we've had some really big woodpeckers that we've never seen before, and but we haven't seen them now for about two weeks. Maybe they were just moving through, and who knows? Or sitting on some eggs now, maybe. Yeah, could be. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. So we've talked about these different types of roots, I guess is what you would call them, sort of. Uh, for the different types of things, you know, we want to plant them, some of them in the fall. We want to plant some of them in the spring. So can we go through kind of the list and talk about when do we plant tulips? Do we have to dig up tulips? Do we, those types of things. Go ahead, Jerry. So tulips, I don't think we really have to, to re-dig them. You can plant them in the fall. So then they come up in the spring. And right now at the office, there's we've got quite a few tulips coming up. and But they're not blooming yet, right? They're just, 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 just on just the edge. Just on the edge. Okay. No, after this weekend, I think we'll start seeing some blooms. This next snowstorm that Jerry, Gary's talking about is uh, going to affect them, though. <laughs> we'll see. Well, the dahlias and the same thing with or the, or the daffodils, the same thing. You plant those in the fall, and they come up in the spring. And so there's oh, yeah. a lot of those uh, that you, you plant in the fall. And uh, so that's hyacinths. Hyacinths. Uh, right. Grape hyacinths. Uh, the... the um, uh, Crocus. Crocus. Lilies. Those are all early spring, early springers. And any of the flowers that come up in the early spring, they need to overwinter. And so get them in the fall, about October? Yeah, you'll see them in the, in the stores. They, they're offered for sale and get them in. Now, I don't know that you, if you had a, a bag left over like we do, uh, I think we're probably just going to go ahead and put them in the soil. Sure. Or maybe wait. I, I'm not sure. I think if you wait, they might dry out and not be any good. Yeah, yeah that's true. And then the spring uh, garden sale that the ladies usually have, you know, that there's there's bulbs there that you can put. But those are spring and summer bulbs. And you, you plant those all throughout the spring and summer. Some examples would be canna or canna lilies. Canna. Uh, dahlias. Yep. Begonias. Uh, begonias. Glads. Mm -hmm. Yep. Iris, iris, you can. Iris are pretty tough. They, they're the beginning flower for a beginning gardener, because they are so <laughs> tough. You have to really try hard. They're they're to almost kill them. mistake proof. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my brother gave my other brother some iris to take to Texas, and so once he got to Texas, he took him out of his 
he rode his motorcycle and took him out of the saddlebag and threw him on the floor of the garage. And he goes, oh, gosh. Uh, the next spring, <laughs> maybe I should go ahead and do this since, you know, my brother gave me these iris. And they came up and bloomed. Awesome. Excellent. So they're really tough. They're okay. really, really tough. Well, if they have that storage structure, right, yes. they, yeah. they are... They are storing their nutrients. And they will feed off of themselves mm-hmm. until they wither and finally say, Succumb, I've, I've had enough, yes. Mm-hmm. And, or, if they're in a too moist of an environment, rot. Yeah, right? Compost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Trial by error. That's uh, what gardening, I think, is for a lot of us, is trial by error and see what really grows for you. And, and that's why some people have just beautiful mounds of mums or beautiful mounds of this or that uh that's what has done really well for them and they just gravitate towards yeah and and what works for one person may not work for another which is kind of you know kind of an interesting idea that you just kind of have to adapt for what's going on in in your garden space or Mm -hmm. flower bed to Mm -hmm. get them to work for you so when they're going to be starting the plant and everything uh the one thing they really ought to do is take a soil test and find out what their pH is. Uh, these uh, tubers, bulbs, they like a pH somewhere between 6 and 7, uh, which is a little on the acid side, which we do not have. Uh, our pH is probably run anywhere from 7.2 seven, to 8, 5, 9, 10, <laughs> nine. sometimes. <laughs> I, I looked at a soil map. Uh, gentleman wanted some grasses and uh, he had some pHs from 7.2 to 9.1. Wow. Wow. So he was all over the board and I was kind of the quandary what to recommend. But anyway, back to the sure. bulbs. Yeah, they want a pH somewhere between 6 and 7. Uh, they like a well-drained soil. And uh, so again, trying a soil test if you can. You know, and soil tests can be submitted through the extension offices uh, in uh, either Nebraska or Wyoming. Is that true, Gary, or do you guys have, do you guys just send them your, the... We recommend them to send to one of the local labs. Okay. Uh, so in Kearney or McCook would be our closest labs is where we recommend they send them to. You want to get a soil lab that's close to your area. You don't want something off the east or west coast that those folks have no idea <laughs> of what your soil is or, 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 or how to fix about. it. Or, yeah, or how to fix it. So use a soil lab that's, that's fairly close by because generally they have an idea of what you're dealing with. So the University of Wyoming recommends the CSU lab. Okay, so that would work too for us also. And uh, uh, I believe samples, or to get an analysis, it's about twenty two dollars, yeah, something that's like about that. Right, anywhere between nineteen to twenty five dollars. Yeah, and it's and it's really worth it to kind of understand what your your uh, plants are going to need uh, based on what's actually in your soil. You bet. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you want just pure pH, can't you just put a a strip into the water that's that's the quick way to do it mm-hmm. it might not be accurate yeah <laughs> you want to hear some you want to hear some other ways to do it <laughs> if you're if your soil is acidic you make a solution of half a cup of baking soda half a cup of water and a half a cup of soil if it fizzes your soil is acidic okay if it's alkaline you you, you put a half a cup of vinegar a half a cup of soil if it bubbles if bubbles form, you're alkaline. Interesting. Does that does that make sense for you? Baking soda, yeah. Sure. Soda, sure. And if so, if the soil is neutral, it wouldn't react to the soil at all. So basically, you're uh, you're attempting to make the um, 
science fair project volcano thing, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Without putting a fizzy in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look out. So um, uh, I think we've kind of covered this uh, topic pretty well. If anybody has uh, questions about what we've discussed today, feel free to call us. The number here is 532-2158, and we will do our best to uh, get you on the air and try to answer your question. You're pointing something else out. Something else you'd like to cover? Uh, fertilizer. You want a balanced blend like a 10-10-10. You don't want a lot of nitrogen. Otherwise, all you'll get is a lot of leaf growth and no blossoms. So if you get a fertilizer, tend to stay stay on the side or the high end of the phosphorus and the potash and the low on the nitrogen. Okay. And there are blends available in local stores to accommodate those types of things. Yes. And if your pH is high, <laughs> uh, sulfur, sulfur, you know, uh, but it's an annual thing. It's, it's an annual thing, and you're not going to drop your pH and keep it there. It's 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 an annual thing that you're going to have to deal with. And uh, the primary reason that we want to change the pH of our soil to more neutral seven yes. is because that's, that's where it's most ideal for a lot of our plants that, that we try to grow here. High pH restricts uh, yeah, iron. restricts nutrients, restricts iron. Uh, you know, if it gets up higher, restrict your nitrogen and your phosphorus also. Yep. It'll really mess you up. Mm-hmm. That pH of 10, did you say, for grass oh, is bad. Well, it's <laughs> bad not for anything. <laughs> now, is that where you see the white? No, the that's, white? That's, uh, that's a salt issue. Salt. So all that white that's that's, that's on south the, of that, town, yeah, that's crested east up, of town. That's a salt issue, and that's a whole different ball game. Al- alkali flats and those types of things. And the so, so, the yeah. soils are usually moist. Moist, so the drainage is poor, so those salts are percolating, percolating up. So there it's a drainage issue where uh, or, or organic matter would help, but then they have to have a way to push those salts out through the profile down the bottom and drain them out. And uh, that could be pretty hard. So that's that's like ripping, ripping that well, soil and, and or putting in tile to yeah, drain. When we say tile, it's, it's a drain pipe. Oh yeah, across the field, so that when you water, you it force goes the down. salts out, and then you drain them off and wow, put them into a pond or something. So the the salty the alkali soils can be a real challenge because they're usually high in pH too. So you're fighting a double battle there. It's a yeah. double. It's a double whammy. Yeah. Wow. What a what a what a a deal for the soil test. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, soil test. Send one of those samples back east and tell <laughs> have them tell you what to do with it. <laughs> Got um, a problem here. Yeah. Again, if you have questions on this topic or any other, five three two two one five eight. I'd like to spend a little time talking about early spring gardening. If the rest of you would be interested Absolutely. in that. Absolutely. Sure. Um, so, uh, most of you know, I uh, have uh, been building high tunnels around the state, which are passive greenhouses. And um, if you have a high tunnel, uh, this year was really nice. Uh, first day of spring in March, things were starting to be planted in high tunnels. Uh, so, right now, we have... Um, actually, we waited until... Easter weekend. So what was that? Two weeks after mm-hmm. the first week, first of uh, spring. Um, but we have carrots germinating. They're up about uh, two inches. Um, radishes are starting to bulb out. 
we will be having uh, lettuce salad this weekend. Cabbages are in the ground. Tomatoes are in the ground. Um, some things that overwintered in the high tunnel pretty successfully this year were uh, herbs. And we have some strawberries and raspberries in the high tunnel, too. Huh. So, um... Oh, you got to say more than huh. Certainly so. <laughs> that was my segue to my thinking. <laughs> so certainly, like this weekend is going to be coming up to have some really high temperatures, almost in the 80s. So People are going to be excited. Yeah. And maybe want to plant. Uh, we're talking about the high tunnels still. Okay, sure. And so how do you control the heat? I, I know you open up the doors, but can you roll your sides so, up? So on ours, we have roll-up sides. And... Um, Diane mentioned the other day that it was 110 de degrees in there. On I think it was 60 outside and 110 inside. If it gets that hot, we need to start rolling the rolling. sides up. Yeah. So usually anything above 60 degrees, the sides need to come up if on a sunny day, because uh, it can get very warm inside of there. So you can't go on vacation right now. Um, we could, maybe. But. But if Gary's going to tell us it's going to snow on Monday, then probably not. Um, <laughs> The other thing that we've been doing um, in the latest design of these things that we've been putting out is putting in a 60-watt solar-powered attic fan. So that fan, and then on put that on one end, and then on the other ends we've been putting on uh, automatic louvers that open up when the temperature gets to be about 70 degrees, and then this fan kicks on about 70 degrees, and it actually pulls pulls air through the high tunnel mm -hmm. so it helps cool it down a little bit but it could still be close to 100 degrees very easily wow um so we still encourage rolling the sides and opening the doors and try to get as much airflow through them as possible so a lot of stuff stops growing at 94 yeah. oh yeah 95. yeah those plants will shut down yeah yep they won't uh, transpire anymore like jeff says they'll just shut down and sit there yeah so that's really exciting to be able to have that early of a crop, even to have that salad in the in the next oh, yeah. couple of days. Lettuce this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> no tomatoes yet, but lettuce. <laughs> now, do you have trouble with rabbits getting in and all that kind of stuff? Do you have any? So on ours, the 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 sides roll up about four feet off the ground, and we have what I call Dutch doors. Some people don't know what those are, but they're split sure. from the, from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. Half doors. Half doors, yeah. Sure. Uh, and we leave the bottom closed, open up the top, and that allows for air exchange. Yeah. Um, but we have... I did have one crop of peas already planted, but some type of rodent came in and dug each one of them up and uh, consumed them. Uh, so we are taking measures to eliminate them from the high tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> do you have do you have much in the way of, of uh, recurrent disease that is prevalent in a high tunnel? Um, in ours, no. We are we, we try to rotate the annual crops pretty significantly so that they're not growing in the same spot year after year after year. However, at the high tunnel at the research station in Lingle. Uh, we've been growing peppers and tomatoes consecutively for about four or five years in the same beds. So the disease profile has last, last year really affected the plants that we were trying to grow out there. So this year we're doing a trial looking at carrots, uh -huh. but we don't have them planted yet. So insects and, 
and disease processes and and that sort of thing. You really want to what clean up in the fall and sterilize. Oh yeah. So you don't want them to overwinter because most most critters want to get into where it's warmer. That sounds like a good place to be is in this high tunnel. It's a it's a really nice place. Do you do you roll the sides up through the winter then? No, to... we don't. Some people do. Some people use their high tunnels for chicken homes and uh, goat homes <laughs> sure. in the winter time. Goat yoga. E- yeah, goat yoga. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, they can have multiple uses. The problem is with a high tunnel, you're growing so far into the fall. Like, when do you pull the trigger and decide that things are done and, and get rid of them? So, tomatoes, of course, when it freezes, they're done. But it never freezes in your high tunnel. Well, it does. So the the ambient outside temperature at night is what the inside temperature is at night. Because it, it's because pa- it's heat. Right, but we're everything is passive for us, so we okay. don't supply any additional heating. Now you can. There are techniques to cover them and kind of trap some of the soil heat for a few days. But if it gets re- eventually, if, eventually they're, they're done. So. Whenever those plants die or senesce or whatever, you need to get them out of there and put your compost pile out and around. And Now, we toured a high tunnel in Saratoga a couple weeks ago where uh, the young lady running it, her, her main focus is um, uh, building soil, and she uses a lot of compost, and uh, she has raised beds, and apparently when that compost is breaking down to be soil for her beds there's enough heat generated that it keeps that high tunnel warm in the winter time hmm. in great. saratoga which is very not very warm no in the winter time real comparable to laramie as far as their, their oh yeah yeah very com- I mean, it's tough to grow in laramie yep yep Except lots of wind they don't have the wind no they have wind they do yes okay <laughs> I found rhubarb and sunflowers were the two best crops. <laughs> and horseradish. And horseradish. <laughs> so, Are you yeah. Sure they got wind? Uh, yeah. yeah, I was there a couple of weeks ago okay. and it was really howling. So, right. yeah, it was blowing. Okay. <laughs> Are you thinking they don't, Gary? Well, I mean, Laramie, I've been there for a couple of years going to school. I thought, man, it doesn't get any stronger than this. <laughs> so, okay. Saratoga's in the same cor- corridor, only on the other side of the mountain. Yeah, but it's on the other side of the funnel. Yeah, it's a different. It's a different funnel. It's a different funnel. Okay. <laughs> okay. Any other topics that you guys would like to cover yeah, today? Yeah, Arbor Days today, so everybody get out and plant a tree. Fantastic. Right. And the other thing uh, we talked about this a little earlier before we came on, uh, Jeff and I are thinking the soil temperatures around forty-eight. So it's getting real close for the time to put out your pre-emergent for your crabgrass. And you want to do that when the soil temperature is around 50. The crabgrass starts to come on when the soil temperatures get around 55 to 60. So you want to get that on early. So this weekend, Gary, the soil temperature is going to be about 50 degrees. But you're telling us on Monday it's not going to be that much? Uh, No, I saw it was supposed to get down. You know, the soil temperature, you want a seven-day average. So that's what we're looking at. Oh, okay. All right. So it, it, it's still going to be up there. That soil doesn't fluctuate that much, especially as it gets warmer. Yeah, but you say you're, you're threatening snow. You're threatening us with snow. On That's what Don Day was saying. There <laughs> might be snow, at least in the mountains, which, oh. which is okay. Okay, and then maybe some moisture for us? Yes. Okay. So if the soil temperatures are that, that high, what, what can we plant right now? Oh, boy. 
Um, you got your list. I got mine. Here. I, I think so. Let me uh, just throw this off top of my head. Coal crops could probably go out as long as you're protecting them at night, couldn't they, mm -hmm. Gary? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, your broccoli, cabbage, onions, lettuce, peas, radish. If you haven't, don't already have those in. Uh, a little higher up, your beets, carrots, cauliflower, parsley, parsnips, spuds. And then we better hold off for our beans, corn, cucumbers, and melons. Soil temperature for beans has to be in the 60s. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so is it St. Patrick's Day potatoes? Is it? That's what I've heard. St. Patrick's Day. So that's, we, you and I have discussed this. You say St. Patrick's Day, my family says Good Friday. Good Friday potatoes. Which fluctuates, right? Well, yeah. St. Patrick's Day is the same all the time, but Good Friday is different every year. Different a little bit. Yeah. I know we used to plant Mother's Day for pumpkins, and it used to be really, really nice and sunburny kind of weather, and we haven't been able to do that for a long time. About the last three years, we've had a snowstorm on Mother's Day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got snowed in at Guernsey painting in my brother's bathroom on Mother's Day. Yeah, it... it it uh, it's very unpredictable. Yeah, yeah. So, so our last supposed frost-free date is about May fifteenth, maybe a little bit later than that. Gary, you're earlier than that in the valley, aren't you? Yeah, a little bit earlier. So tenth. Oh, uh, if that. Something or I, mean, I mean, they're going to run pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've always heard around the 22nd, and that's the safe that, day. That's the safe day. That, oh, that's the safe day. <laughs> that, that should so, be the safe day. So here's, here's the big question is, when can I put those cannabulbs into the ground? Because they have a two-week, probably a two-week uh, duration of being in the ground to set root, and then to finally push something up out of the ground. So you think... First of May? This weekend? Yeah. Anytime sure. you know the ground's not froze, you should be able to do that. Okay, cannons are going in. And then if it snows on Mother's Day, you might be in trouble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that'll be my mulch. <laughs> you know, if you really wanted to do this scientifically, you'd have enough bulbs and you'd start planting them as soon as you could get them in the ground and on a weekly basis. Oh, and, and see which ones and, and see, put a little tag on them. Right, yes. and, and keep track of them and see, okay, well, next year you can report when the best date is to, at least on last year, when the best date was to plant your cannons. Well, maybe for myself, I don't know if I'd report it publicly. <laughs> Since it is a competition. It is competitive. <laughs> okay. Uh, this weekend. Yeah. All right. My, 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 I, I have to bring this up. My weekend project is finishing a, a portion of a massive landscaping project, uh, installing a sprinkler system and laying sod. Yay for you. So... Uh, I'm busy, Jeff. Don't yeah, I know. I wasn't going to ask for any volunteers. <laughs> Diane's starting to tell me she's busy, too. So Slow and steady. Take a lot of breaks. Yeah, drink lots of water. Yeah. <laughs> so I have one more question. Okay. Uh, it's been it's been purported that if you want to check out your seeds, you, you put the seeds in a cup of water, the good ones sink to the bottom, and, and, the, and the bad float. You think there's any truth to that? Um, it depends on the seed. So I'm giving you the typical extension answer, right? It depends on the type of seed. It depends. Yeah, it depends. I, I have to say I have not heard that one. I have, but it depends on what you're trying to do that with. Huh. But okay. I, and I don't have a list of what it works okay. for and what it doesn't. And speaking of depends, or baby diapers, <laughs> they say you can put a baby diaper into a pot, and it'll help keep a potted for a potted plant 
and it'll help keep you with a little moisture. That would be true. That yeah, because the baby that's kind of gross, but it, it would be true. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's put, under the soil, so nobody's going to see it. They put all kinds of stuff in soils. <laughs> you know, the popcorn. I don't care to put that popcorn in as a filler mm-hmm. uh, into the bottom. Right. I, I don't really care to do that because when you dump the soil, those things oh, fly away, fly. don't they? That, yeah, and it might be turned to mush, and who knows what you. So, so some of the popcorn is. Uh, 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 starch based corn starch yes so uh, did you know that i did not yes. so you could all the red all of my my experience with with that is the polystyrene the polystyrene yeah. versions yeah. yeah so they've they're starting to move to corn starch based ones so you could cool. actually you could actually eat them yeah <laughs> <laughs> onion garlic a and, different type of popcorn and pap- packing material <laughs> packing material yummy Okay, gentlemen, I think we are getting close to the end of our time. I appreciate you being here. Well, Jeff, thank you for having me up here again this year. Certainly, and we'll, we will have you on multiple times again yes. as, as well. And, and Jerry, you are a permanent fixture. And I am so happy to be here. I, I was excited. I didn't sleep well last night uh, <laughs> thinking about what we were going to talk about. Because and, I didn't give you enough information, did I? Well, you know, <laughs> we fly by the seat of our pants enough that... I thought, well, hey, we'll just walk in and see what happens. Fantastic. Well, uh, I wish you all a very nice weekend. And for those of you uh, listening, I think it's going to be really nice. So get outside and enjoy the weather. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks so much for listening to the Lawn and Garden Podcast with UW Extension Specialist Jeff Edwards and Jerry Urshabek. Presented by UW Extension. We'll see you next time.